Hi guys, my name's Jason Mountford and welcome to the Hedge Podcast. I bet you thought I disappeared. I know some of you have sent me very kind messages asking where I am, how I am, making sure I'm okay, which I really appreciate. And the truth is I have been really quite unwell. Nothing long-term or too serious. Well, nothing serious really. Just tonsillitis, feeling like shit. I've been laid up in bed, which is very unusual for me. Um, Something I'm really not good at sitting still and lying down and, and getting better. I tend to operate at my highest gear possible most of the time. So, um, I've just been, um, yeah, I've not been doing the podcast. I've been too unwell to do it. My voice has been, uh, my throat has been um, just horrendous. So luckily, finally starting to get on the men now. Still not feeling 100% to be honest, but getting there, definitely getting there. So um, like I say, thank you very much for the people who, who uh, reached out to me um, to check in. I really appreciate it. It, means, it does mean a lot. Um, I'm surprised, but very pleasantly surprised. So, so thank you very much for that. Um, but I am back with this with this week's episode of the show. It's not going to be a massively long one. Um, I just wanted to make sure I was checking in, letting you know that I am still alive, still with us, still kicking, um, and wanted to cover off on really just one topic this week, um, and that is the idea of a recession. You know, there's been lots of talk. Obviously, there's been lots of talk about what's been going on in the world. There's been lots of talk about cost of living. Lots of talk about the, the stock markets, ongoing volatility. Uh, and so there's been some not so nice words getting bandied around. Stagflation is one of them, which I touched on, I think, a few weeks back. And recession is the other one, which is, I guess, a bit more common. Uh, I wanted to talk through that a little bit today as well. So that's, that's what I'm going to be doing. As always, if you have questions for the show, if you want to, to say hello, see what I'm up to, um, have a chat, ask me your questions jump over to the website, thehedge.io. You can get in touch with me via email there. Um, Read some articles, join the mailing list, whatever you want to do, um, and drop me an email, let me know what your question is. I can answer anything to do with investing, personal finance, business, the stock market, um, really anything, anything you want to ask me. Now, it it, um, may not work its way onto the show depending on the question, but I'll always do my best to get back to you with a response of some sort. So make sure you head over there and drop me a line on the website. Again, that's thehedge.io. So we have been hearing this word recession bandied about, um, and I want to talk through a couple of things. I want to talk through what actually is a recession, like technically what what counts as a recession, and what does that, that mean for you and your investment. So First things first, the way that this is calculated is by using gross domestic product or GDP. GDP is an economic calculation that basically looks at the overall um, value created by the country. Now, to be honest, I don't actually know the full mathematical equation that goes into it, but the way that I understand it is that it's supposed to be the total sum of the economic output of a country. And if you're an economist and I've got that wrong, feel free to get in touch with me. But, you know, for example, let's say you had a really simple economy that built one car worth £20,000 and sold accountancy services for 12 months at £20,000. You had two people lived in this country and that's what they did, built one car and offered accountancy services to other, other, well, maybe to the car guy. Um the GDP of that country would be £40,000. Now, obviously, in reality, it's much more complex than that. They, The guy making the car and the guy or 
or woman doing these accountancy services, um, spending that money, buying groceries, all that stuff. But that's kind of the crux of it. It's all the economic activity that goes on. And so the measure of the change in GDP is measuring whether the economic output of a country or a city or a state, whatever, is growing or contracting. Now, we're built, our economy, our stock market, our investment markets, everything is built on this idea of perpetual growth. And some would argue that is potentially the problem with the capitalist system that we have, but regardless, that's the way it is. And so the idea is that the economy should always be growing. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't for two consecutive quarters, it's what's known as a recession. So a quarter is just a, a, a quarter of the year. So basically, if, if, if economic growth goes backwards for two months, uh, sorry, for six months, for two quarters, then that is what's known as a, a recession. So obviously, recession can be if it's negative 0.1% over that six months, or if it's negative 14% that is still classed as a recession either way. So it doesn't sort of in and of itself tell you much. You know, there's been been plenty of times in, in my lifetime where um, countries I've lived in have, have gone through technical recessions when really, you know, not a lot's happening. It's just kind of ticking along, but ticking along a bit slower than usual. And so there's not necessarily going to be a big impact on normal man and woman on the street. Um, but I think we're probably going or potentially going into a circumstance that is a bit more um, drastic drastic than that. Potentially, you know, it all remains to be seen. And really the, the reason for that is that, you know, I think a few weeks back I talked about how inflation might impact the stock market. And in that episode, I actually said that in the short term, it shouldn't impact it too much. And the reason for that is because companies are going to pass on their costs to the end consumer. And that's, that's actually what we're seeing at the moment. You know, we're seeing it with our energy prices. We're seeing it with our groceries. Um, we're seeing it with most of the costs that we're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. We're seeing the costs go up because in many cases, the cost of production is going up. The inputs are going up. You know, I, I saw an article yesterday that was saying two of the largest um, sources of inflation has been bread and pasta um, because... Apparently, Russia and, and Ukraine um, grow a, a huge amount of the wheat for, for Europe, which is obviously used in bread and pasta. So um, those costs are being passed on to us. And we don't really notice it so much on an individual basis. We don't notice it if a loaf of bread goes from 50p to a quid. You know, that's not really going to have a big impact on your food shop. But when that's happening with loads of different things in your grocery basket and over a longer period of time, it does definitely start to add up and it starts to become more and more of a problem. And we're starting, I believe, we're starting to get to a point now where it does potentially start to cause a problem for companies because companies can raise prices to a certain level and people may get disgruntled, people may complain, some people may switch brands or try and reduce their consumption but broadly speaking, for many things, the demand stays about the same. That's what's called inelastic demand. So, you know, if you um, eat pasta on a regular basis, the demand for pasta is quite inelastic. It's a fairly inexpensive good anyway. You're probably not going to, well, you're probably not going to be able to find much that's cheaper as a carbohydrate, maybe rice or something, but it's probably, you know, it's all 
relatively going to be the same. So you don't really have many options. You have to eat. So the demand for that is is going to stay pretty stable throughout any reasonable price rises, even if those price rises are pretty high. There are other items where the demand is a lot um, a lot more elastic. So it's the opposite. So if the price goes up significantly, then the um, demand goes down. So I use bread as an example. Bread went up 50 60%, something like that, or pasta, one of them. One of them went up about 60% in inflation. If and I would I would I would hazard a guess, I don't know the figures, but I'd hazard a guess that the consumption figures for those things probably stayed pretty similar to what they were before that that price rise. If overnight your Netflix went up 60%, there would be a massive amount of cancellations. Because nobody needs Netflix. Nice to have, but nobody needs it. And so what we're we're getting to the point where a lot of prices are being put up. To, to the point where people are going to start really thinking twice about how they're spending their money. And it's at that point that companies start to get in trouble because number one, they can't raise their prices any further. So there's going to be people who are looking for alternatives. They're probably going to be or potentially going to be getting less in revenue, going to be less customers buying the goods and services. And then the compound problem you have is if they're... If they're um, if their cost of goods, if the costs that they need to pay are going up still significantly, then that's digging into their profit margin. So again, let's just use Netflix as an easy example. You know, if if they have to raise their prices because everybody, all their workers are asking for pay rises, their costs are going up so high, and that gets to the point where people won't accept any further price rises, but all of their staff are still requesting pay rises, all their server costs are still going up, all their business expenses still increase, they're going to have to continue to pay that to keep the, the, the service going, and that's going to be cutting into their into their um, profit margins, into their business. So it's going to be a continually... Uh, well, it's going to be something to, to really watch with some companies that are in this space. And it's one of the reasons why through market periods where markets are volatile that some of the companies that hold up the best are what's known as consumer staples. So companies that make bread and pasta, companies that make fuel or, you know, refined fuel, whatever you want, terminology you want to use. Things that we can't do without because whether we like it or not, we need to find the money for those things and we need to be able to... Um, we need to be able to, to keep them to keep them going. So, you know, we are going to potentially be going through some pressure um, over the next twelve months or so, um, and it's going to be one of those ones where, if you're looking at your your investment portfolio, um, again, not suggesting making any drastic changes, but if you're someone who picks your own investments, picks your own stocks, picks your own um, underlying holdings. Pay really close attention to how some of those perform over the next over the next six to twelve months, because I think it'll really tell you some things about which companies and which sectors hold up the best during recessions and during economic downturns. So, if a recession does happen, what does that actually mean? Well, you know, the, the main thing is that everything just becomes a little bit less stable. You know, if you think about those companies, if companies need to cut their costs, maybe they lay off workers, maybe they, um, you know reduce their services. So if you are a business that provides services to companies, maybe they you know, are cutting 
trying to cut costs and therefore they don't need the services that you're offering to them anymore um, because there's less money in the system there's less consumer discretionary spending so there's you know you've got less scratch in your pocket to be going to the cinema or to um, the local cafe so it just means there's less money floating around and the economy just generally isn't as buoyant and so you know for you personally I think it's just worth thinking about you know the stability of your company the stability of your job um, you know what could potentially happen if your company started to come under financial pressure? You know, is your job one that the company could do without, or is it central to to what what they do? Is it um, is it something that they could outsource? You know, maybe they could get contractors in so they can keep um, keep a hold on costs better. You know, could they outsource it overseas for even a short period of time? You know, all those things just about thinking about how you fit into the overall picture of the economy. And it might seem a bit grandiose, but I think it's really good to get an understanding of of that kind of thing because it makes you realize where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, what potential things could come back to bite you. And hopefully it's, it's never an issue, um, but I just think it's always worth keeping that in mind. Um, and then, of course, it's the, it's the hygiene factors around an emergency fund. You know, if you are in a potentially vulnerable position, um, do you have that three, six months emergency fund? You know, if you normally keep three months, maybe boost it up a bit. Maybe try and get that to six months. Um, don't really worry about your long-term investments. They are long-term for a reason. You shouldn't really be fiddling around with them, especially when things are volatile as they are now because there can be good days that, that pop up. And if you miss, that, that's not great long-term. But just really thinking about that that cash flow position you've got, you know, what's the worst-case scenario? How can you protect against that? Um I think the other thing, I guess the last point to keep in mind is that this too shall pass. You know, things things are tough at the moment. You know, costs are high. Um, I think lots of people are feeling that, but it will eventually get better. Things will recover. Um, and actually, paradoxically, it's a very good job market out there at the moment. So it's a good time to be looking at your options long term and whether what you're doing now is, is what you want to be doing um, for the future, whether it is the best long-term financial place for you to be so guys that is the episode for the show i know it's been a bit of a short and sharp one i'm definitely a bit rusty from having a couple of weeks off and i'm still not 100 so i appreciate your your patience with me but some things to think about maybe um, there's lots going on in the world at the moment as as always but feels like more more than usual now so um just look after yourselves look after number one that's uh, yeah the most important thing you and your family um if you have questions for me, you'd like me to answer on the show, as always, as, a, as, a, as I always say, jump over to the website, thehedge.io. You can find lots of content on there, as well as my free ebook, Modern, Modern Investing Fundamentals. Um, I'm also going to be moving these podcasts to fortnightly. Um, it's been really hard for me to keep, <clears throat> keep pace um, with this level of content. I feel like I've got a good base out there now. I want to keep bringing it to you. I want to keep bringing you new, fresh, start, fresh stuff but I want to make it manageable long-term. Um, so going to be changing it to fortnightly now. So um, that way I can make sure I'm bringing you these for as long as humanly possible. But as always, I need content from you guys. I need questions from you guys to help me do that. So thank you as always for listening to the show. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks again to those people that reached out and checked in on me. Um, and I will look forward to speaking to you on the next episode of the show. <laughs>